But this booklet that's coming around is the story of God in a very high view, big chapter orientation. Um, In fact, we're going to preach through this booklet over the next four weeks. And as it's coming around, I just want to give you an idea of a way to think about this. Um, This booklet, I think it's best used in a way that we, if we take it in and start to internalize it and think of it as a way for us to categorize the story of God into chapters. So more, more than we want you to give this to someone, we want you to take it in, to digest it, and to see if it's something that would be a way that you would like to share the story with people. It may also be a good tool to sit down with someone and invite them into the story of God. That's the goal with this booklet or this piece of literature. It's an aerial view of the story of God. And it's something that's both meant to be digested and to uh, share with others. Go ahead and turn to the green page when you get your booklet. And that's the framework for our text and our sermon today. I want to ask you to think about where you were at 11.30 a.m. yesterday. I know it's a whole 24 hours ago, so you might have to do some work to retrace your steps to think about where was I at 11.30 a.m. yesterday morning. I want to tell you where I was. I was sitting on my patio under an umbrella, and the breeze was just about right. It was sunny, but it was cool. And I was making the final touches on my sermon. And the sermon is about creation. So the setting, the scene of where I was sitting, it became both a distraction for me to finish my work, but it also became an inspiration. And I was asking this question at the top of this page, top of this green page. How did it all begin? How did it all begin? And as I was sitting there, it just came over me. And I was uh, awestruck by the wonder of God. And I, I started thinking that creation, in its best form, creation is a gift from the Creator God. Have you ever thought about creation that way, as a gift from the Creator God? I'm sure we've all thought about creation at that, in that way at times. Well, today we ask the question, how did it all begin? And we look at creation and to God for the answer. If you look at this booklet and you turn it sideways, you will find the first verse in the book of the Bible and from the book of Genesis. This is the first sentence in the Word of God. And it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From the first sentence of the book of the Bible, we see that God is not only the author, but He's the subject of the material. And then what follows is a description of creation. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The word there that God created, that's a Hebrew word called bara, which means to create from nothing. God created the world from nothing. That sounds impossible. And I want us to think about that. There's another word that God uses um, to describe his creation. That's called asah. Asah means to shape and to mold 
something that's already there. While bara means to create something from nothing. And when it comes to the creation of the world, God does both. And we get to look at this in Scripture. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. That God, in the creative sense, He does both. He baras the creation into existence from nothing. And then He assaws it, He shapes it, and He molds it to His fashion. Scripture is pretty selective when it talks about God creating from nothing. I want to look at the three places in Genesis that this happens. So if you have a Bible, you can take it. You can take it. Uh, there's a Bible in front of you that you can use. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. So it's at the front of the book. should be pretty easy to find today. And we already looked at verse 1. So God baraz. He creates from nothing in three places. First in verse 1, he creates the heavens and the earth from nothing. He baraz them into existence. The second thing that he creates from nothing is life itself. We see this in verse 21. I'm going to read it for us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God baraz life itself. And the third thing, you can probably figure it out if you're tracking with me. The third thing that God baraz into existence out of nothing is humankind. We see this in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's mysterious, but God does create from nothing. He also shapes his creation. Look at verse 7 of Genesis chapter 1. Here we see an example of how God assaws, how he shapes and molds the earth. He says in verse 7, So God made the expanse and separated the waters under the expanse from the waters above it. God's shaping. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Look at verse 16. We see another example of God shaping the earth. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. God even was separating the light and shaping and moving the light. I love Psalm 95, verse 5. It says, The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. I love the fact that God, in creation, he gets involved. He just doesn't speak and things come into existence, but he actually molds and shapes. I want us to think about these two ideas, that God creates from nothing and that he shapes. Have you ever wondered how God does create something from nothing? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, there's an answer for us about how God does this. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And this answer requires faith. It says, by faith, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Now for you skeptics out there. 
That's a reminder that it requires faith. But what requires faith? It requires faith that the word of God, that his commands are powerful enough to command the world, the heavens, the earth, the life into existence. And that does require faith. So the way that God barahs is he, he does it with his word, with his commands. It's actually his, his word, if you can believe it, his word is actually powerful enough to create the heavens and the earth. His word, by the speaking of his word, he creates the heavens and the earth. And not only that, by the speaking of his word, he creates life. And then by the speaking of his word, he creates us in his image. And even around those three ideas, he gets involved. He starts to shape those things. But listen to how powerful God's word is. It brings order. It makes things good. It creates an environment in which life can exist. It separates things. It comes with unequaled authority and accomplishes exactly what God intends. God Our creator God is the initiator and the creator of everything. And he does it by his word. This would be a good place for an amen if there was one out there. (laughs) And not only does he do that, but he, he begins to shape things. And I want to propose to you this morning that God shapes his creation for the sole purpose of creating a space for relationship. It's as if he makes a habitat for us. And we see something profound in this initiating, shaping pattern. God creates by his word, and then he shapes creation, preparing it for relationship. The God who creates from nothing is the God who shapes the way we live, forming us into a relationship with himself. And I I want to propose today that this shaping, the shaping that God does, is best seen in the way that he creates us in his own image and likeness. And that's how we're going to understand this shaping. The other day, my four-year-old son came up to me, and he had a little piece of cardboard in his hand. And actually, this is the exact piece of cardboard that he had in his hand. And he came up and he said, Hi, my name is Mr. Cardboard. (laughs) That's the use that he, or that's the the voice that he used. and, And, um... I did the same thing that you did. I just chuckled. And so I knew that it was up to me to kind of keep this conversation going. So I said, um, hey, Mr. Card- Cardboard, how are you doing today? He said, fine. And I said, hey, Mr. Cardboard, um, what do you like to watch on TV? I like to watch Thomas the Tank Engine. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I said, um, hey, Mr. Cardboard, what do you like to do outside? to play soccer and it struck me it was really strange it was as if Mr. Cardboard would answer the question in the exact same way that my four year old son would and I just kind of remarked on that to my own self and I I said huh I wonder um, I was thinking about this how we're created in the image of God and I was wondering how is Mr. Cardboard created in the image of my son and um, the analogy breaks down really quickly, actually, because there's a piece of cardboard that I put back in my pocket. But um, it was fun to think about. It did get me thinking, how are we like Mr. Cardboard when it comes to God? 
Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 1 and look at verse 26. And as I read this, I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 26 through the beginning of chapter 2. And I want us just to be thinking about how are we created in the image of God. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his image, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. That's the end of the six-day creation story. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were accomplished in all their vast array. They were accomplished by the word of God and by his shaping. After God created everything else, we, we see a narrative in chapters 2 and 3 that I want to describe for you as it pertains and as it relates to us being formed in the image of God. Not only did God speak us into being by his word, but he shaped us and he formed us. It's as if God, after creating everything else, he thought to himself and he said, I'm going to make myself a man. I'm going to make myself a man. I almost feel like God had a smile on his face when he said that. And then he bent down to the ground. And it says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth, out of the clay. And he began to shape him and press him and form him into his image. It says that he shaped him and formed him. And it says that he blew the breath of life into his nostrils. And then God stood him to his feet. He stood him to his feet and he said, look around. All this is yours. God had put him in the garden, placed him in the garden. He said, all this is yours to take care of, to be responsible for. And I believe that God looked at him and in him, he saw his own reflection. He looked at his image there before him. And he said, when I see you, I see my own likeness, my own reflection, my own image. And there was a call on man's life at that point. He was called to be responsible for where he had been placed in the garden. I believe that he was also called to respond to God in worship. It's as if God says, here we are in this garden. I want you to take care of it, enjoy it, and I want you to walk with me to worship me and enjoy me forever. And then God does something even more interesting. He lays Adam down. And out of man, he forms woman. And Adam names 
his wife Eve, and the two become one flesh. Because they were created for one purpose. Listen to this. God's purpose in creating an Adam and Eve is summed up in an ability that they had that nothing else in all of creation could do. Unlike anything else in this amazing world, they were made in the image and the likeness of their creator God. And they were able to return to him thoughts and feelings and ideas and worship. And, and I believe that though God, I know that God does not need our worship. And he did not need the worship of Adam and Eve. But I believe that he anticipated it. It says, in the cool of the day, he would walk in the garden. And I often wonder, what would it have been like to walk in the garden with the Creator God? And if we think about what would happen before the apple incident and the hiding incident, we might wonder, what did they talk about? What did they talk about? Their health was perfect. Sports hadn't been invented yet. There were no kids running around. And even the weather was good. It's like all the things that we would normally gravitate toward in conversation, they were kind of off territory for the first conversations of humanity with its creator, God. And I wonder, what did they talk about? I don't know what they talked about, but I do know that something in humanity responded to its creator in a profound way, in a way that was shaped and molded for relationship. This is the picture And this is the reminder that we have that we are not created in an ordinary way. Last week we talked about how we are supporting characters in the story of God and that we get to elevate the central character, Jesus. And often when we elevate him, it's it's at the ordinary times of life that we get to elevate our Savior, Jesus, who's the central figure. But here at creation, we were not created ordinary. We were created in the image of God. There's a writer, Paul Tripp, he wonders about the whole scene this way. He says, immediately after creating Adam and Eve, God talks to them. He didn't do this with anything else he created. He simply created and moved on. Why did he talk to them? God created man in his own image, and out of that flowed the marvelous dynamic of worship. Adam and Eve's unique purpose in imaging and reflecting God was to bring pleasure to God, was to work in the garden as he had commanded them to and to fill the earth as he directed them to. And I want us to, as we leave this morning, I want us to think about what does it really mean to be made in the image of God? That word image and likeness, those words are synonymous for each other. They can be exchanged. But there's another word that's very closely related when it says made in the image of God or in the likeness. There's another word that could almost be translated there, and it's called idol. And idol is something that we think of in negative terms, that is a physical manifestation of a false god. An idol is a trinket or an icon or something that we look at and touch, and we hope that it um, brings to light some god that's not there. But we all know that there are many idols in this world of false gods. But we, made in the image and likeness of God, are not an idol, but we are an image that should make God known here on this earth. I believe to to explain it best is to look at God himself. 
what I want us to do is to think about what does it really mean to be made in the image of God? The only way to answer that question is to look at God himself and start to distinguish what are God's characteristics that I reflect and what are God's characteristics that I do not share? What can we distinguish between God and ourselves? I want us to walk through a series of these. I want to share with you things that God keeps to himself. And on the screen behind me will be the words and the scriptures that help outline this idea. There are things that God keeps to himself. He keeps his omnipresence to himself. God is everywhere at all times. He's here with us now. God is everywhere at all times. Listen to the way Jeremiah 23, verse 24 states. It should be on the screen behind me so you can follow along. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God keeps his omnipresence to himself. He is everywhere at all times. God is also omniscient. His omniscience is something that he keeps to himself. God knows everything and his knowledge is perfect. Hebrews 4.13 says it this way. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows everything and his knowledge is perfect. God does not share his omnipotence. God is all-powerful and able to do all that he wills. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God is omnipotent. God does not share his immutability, which means that God does not change in his essence. God does not change in his character. God does not change in his purpose. Malachi 3, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God is also eternal. He has no beginning and no end, and he's not bound by time. Psalm 90, 90 verse 2 says it this way. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. And the fact that God has no beginning is very important because we do have a beginning. And if he invites us into eternal life, that's something that we enjoy at the beginning of our lives or when we find Christ. But we are not eternal in the way that God is. God, Lastly, God is sovereign. His, God is supreme over all things. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. He is sovereign. So these are the things that we do not share with God. He is sovereign. He is eternal. He is immutable. He's omnipotent, omnipotent. 
He's omniscient. And he's omnipresent. And this helps us to distinguish how we are made in the image of our creator. Because we do need to remember that we are not God. And yet he invites us and he creates us and speaks us into existence and shapes us to reflect who he is. Here are the attributes that we share with God. These are the things that we share. We share his holiness. Now, I'll give you, God is absolutely separate from evil. But we mirror God when he invites us in. When we hate sin and when we love holiness. And this was from the beginning. Leviticus 19, chapters 2 reminds us, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. God also shares his love. God alone is perfect in love. But miraculously, we mirror God's love. We, when we love him and when we love others, we reflect his love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says it this way. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God shares his love, and he also shares his truth. God is the source of all truth, but he shares us and he welcomes us into biblical truth. We, we're allowed, we are allowed to mirror God's biblical truth. I love um, the way that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 states it. It says that we get to speak the amen. Amen means it's true, or let it be so. And we get to speak the amen. Listen to this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We speak the truth. We speak the amen that God shares. The other thing that God shares is his righteousness. I know this is hard to believe, but God shares his righteousness with us. God's character is perfectly righteous, and we only mirror that when we pursue righteousness and justice in our own lives. And it only comes from him. Deuteronomy 32, chapter Chapter 32, verse 4, describes him as the rock of our righteousness. It says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. God invites us into righteousness. God shares his mercy. God does not give to some what they deserve. And we, as his image bearers, are allowed not to give to some what they deserve. And this is mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says it this way. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And the last thing that we get to reflect is God's beauty. God is perfectly beautiful, Yet we reflect his beauty. And this one, though for as individuals, I think we have a difficult time thinking about that in our own lives. 
I believe that when we look around and when we see people, how they reflect the image of God, we can see the beauty in them. And this beauty, all the beauty, finds its resting place in the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I ask of the Lord is this. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy temple. So to live in the image of God is to share godly attributes. Holiness, love, truth, righteousness, mercy, and beauty. These are the things that we share with God created in his image. And they only appear in our lives because they were there at the beginning in the first place when things were in perfect harmony. The story talks about God, creation, and harmony because these are the three ideas that we see at the beginning. That God created by his word and that he shaped for relationship and that we were created in his image to reflect some of the attributes of God and to be invited in And there was perfect harmony there. And then he says something. He says, it was good. It was good there in the garden. Creation was in absolute harmony with God. And man was fulfilling his God-given purpose to worship God. I want to charge you this morning that the story of God begins at a good place. I think sometimes when we think about the story of God, we are hesitant to invite people in because we forget of how it started and where it started. The place that we start with is not always at the beginning, right, of the story. If you think about what is, how was the way that you were invited into the story of God, I doubt that it started with creation. But I hope someone has, took you there and, and explained to you that this is the beginning of the story of God. It has to start at this place for us to tell the whole story. Now, we all know a tragic twist is coming. A tragic twist is coming in the story. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But here at the beginning, I want to challenge you to think about the beginning of the story as a place of harmony. And I want to leave you with two ideas. Because because of the way that we are created, we have the capacity to relate to God. Because of the way that we are created, we have the capacity to relate to God. We should not minimize this in the lives of others or in our own lives. And secondly, because of the way we are created, we have the capacity to walk in the image and likeness of God, our creator. And we share certain parts of his attributes and characteristics. We share some of the characteristics and attributes of God, the creator God, who by his power spoke the world into existence. That's that's amazing. I want to end with Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. It talks about how we have put on the new self, which is being renewed, being shaped toward the image and knowledge, in the image of its creator. Please pray with me. Father, we are so grateful that not only did you speak us into existence, God, but that you shape us, and that at the beginning you shaped us and formed us. And you assad us and you pressed us and squeezed us into your image. And God, we do not take it lightly that we are made in the image of God. And we want to give you all glory and all praise because of it. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.